Tuesday, January the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Navalny calls for protest and the WHO calls for equality. First, the world in brief. After a judge sentenced Alexei Navalny to 30 days imprisonment, supposedly for violating the terms of a suspended sentence, the prominent Russian opposition politician urged his supporters to take to the streets. He was detained after returning to Russia for the first time since being poisoned there in August, at the behest, he believes, of President Vladimir Putin. Western nations urged Russia to release him. The incoming Biden administration vowed not to end bans on travellers arriving in America from Brazil and much of Europe. Its statement came moments after President Donald Trump, who is today enjoying his last full day in office, ordered restrictions to be lifted from the 26th of January. With more contagious mutations of the virus emerging, a Biden spokeswoman instead promised stricter curbs on travel. Norway became the first European country to begin relaxing the latest round of coronavirus restrictions. Erna Solberg, the Prime Minister, announced that people could once again allow visitors into their homes. Schools, activities for children and outdoor sports will also be reinstated. Norway has had just 521 deaths from COVID-19, compared with 10,323 in Sweden. The World Health Organization warned of an impending catastrophic moral failure over the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines. Just 25 doses have been administered in the poorest countries to date, all in Guinea, compared with 39 million in richer ones. COVAX, a vaccine-sharing scheme co-led by the WHO and meant to distribute vaccines in poor countries, accused rich ones of hoarding. Seven members of the UN General Assembly have lost their voting rights after falling behind on money owed to the international organisation, according to Antonio Guterres, the Secretary-General. The Central African Republic, Congo-Brazzaville, Iran, Libya, Niger, South Sudan and Zimbabwe all owe a sum equal to or greater than their share of the UN's operational costs from the past two years. Total, a French oil giant, will spend $2.5 billion on 20% of Adani Green Energy, an Indian solar energy company. The deal will boost Total's low-carbon credentials and give it a share of India's rapidly growing renewable energy market. In September, Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, promised a significant increase in the country's renewable energy capacity by 2022. And at least 12 miners trapped underground in Shandong province in eastern China are still alive and have made contact with search and rescue efforts. A group of 22 went missing after an explosion damaged the mine's exit and communications system a week ago. The fate of the remaining 10 is still unknown. And now, here's today's agenda. Something for everyone. Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary. Today, the former chair of the Federal Reserve appears before the Senate seeking confirmation as Treasury Secretary. Ms Yellen is expected to command bipartisan support, and not just because of the widespread perception that she is a safe pair of hands. People from the progressive left to the conservative right can find something to like about her, a useful trait in a candidate for a role as much about politics as economics. Take monetary policy. Hawks point out that during Ms. Yellen's tenure, the Fed raised rates from near zero to 1.25 to 1.5%. 
doves counter that hawks were overrepresented on the rate-setting panel at the time, and in fact she did well to keep them in check. Shortly before Donald Trump became president, Ms. Yellen argued against blowout fiscal policy. Yet in the pandemic, she has urged extraordinary fiscal support. Expect her true views to become more apparent in the coming years. Unsettled Yemen The furor that followed the announcement of the policy could last longer than the policy itself. Today, America will designate the Houthis, a militant group that controls much of Yemen, as a terrorist organization. It does so despite objections from the United Nations, NGOs, and even some American officials who fear it will complicate efforts to provide humanitarian aid, on which 80% of the population relies. Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, says aid groups will receive exemptions to continue work in Houthi-controlled areas. In his telling, the decision will choke off funding to the Houthis, but they have few licit sources of income to block, and American sanctions will not stop them from taxing and extorting civilians. Diplomats fear the real effect will be to scupper UN-backed talks to end the five-year war between the Houthis and a Saudi-led coalition. But the question may become irrelevant. The Trump administration leaves office tomorrow, and Joe Biden can change course. Talk is cheap. Rohingyas wait to go home. Three and a half years have passed since hundreds of thousands of Rohingyas fled from Myanmar to Bangladesh to escape genocide. A bilateral repatriation deal was signed in 2017, but members of the Muslim minority still languish in teeming, squalid camps. Today, China takes a crack at brokering a deal to return them home. A.K. Abdul Momen, Bangladesh's foreign minister, blames Myanmar for dragging its feet. Bangladesh has handed over details of 840,000 refugees for return. Burmese officials have verified just 42,000. Most Rohingyas long to go home but want guarantees of safety and full political rights. Meanwhile, life in the camps grows grimmer every day. Myanmar is likely to resist any push for swift repatriation, probably successfully. It is immune to most international pressure, in part because China holds economic interests in Myanmar, not least in Rakhine, the Rohingya's home state. As mediators, the Chinese are not well-placed to usher through any breakthroughs. Conte's crucial count, Italy's parliament. Giuseppe Conte faces a confidence vote in the Italian Senate today that could end his 31-month stint as prime minister. The departure of Matteo Renzi's tiny but crucial Italia Viva party from the governing coalition has robbed Mr Conte of an outright majority in the upper house. Some Italian parliamentarians changed their political colourings with chameleon-like ease. Prediction is foolhardy. But with Mr Renzi's followers expected to abstain, the latest reckoning has the government surviving the vote, but failing to secure an outright majority of the Senate's 321 members. That could produce several outcomes. A limping minority government, a reshaped coalition with or without Mr Conte as leader, a government of non-party technocrats, or even an early election. However the cards fall, it will mean a period of frenetic uncertainty during a pandemic, distracting Italy from refining its plans to spend the EU's vast recovery funds. Stockholm Syndrome Huawei is ejected from Sweden. 
Donald Trump's presidency is coming to an end, but the fight his administration picked with Huawei continues to erode the Chinese tech giant's standing in the West. Sweden followed America in banning Huawei's technology from its 5G infrastructure in October, citing security vulnerabilities. The firm challenged the ban, but Sweden's highest administrative court threw out the appeal last week. Today, Sweden's telecoms regulator will proceed with auctioning off the 5G wireless spectrum to network operators, none of which can use Huawei's technology. One might think that Ericsson, a Swedish firm whose technology has become a popular alternative to Huawei as companies build their 5G networks, would be overjoyed. But the firm's boss has reportedly lobbied Sweden's foreign trade minister to rethink the Huawei ban. The decision has given Ericsson greater market power at home, but it might result in reprisals from China, where its sales have recently boomed. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Auguste Comte, who was born on this day in 1798. Foreknowledge is power. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.